0: So what are we talking about this quarter in Chi Alpha? Who we are. We want to be the the college-age people at Central uh, who live uh, a biblical lifestyle, an Acts 2.42 through 47 lifestyle, being a community of God's people. So we learn from Acts 2.42 and and 47 that we want to be a people of devotion, Like it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I love that because there's a theology of eating in there, which I believe in, hence the pie. And then there's verse 47, praising God. Uh, We love worshiping God and enjoying the favor of all the people. We want to make an impact that's positive on this campus. And this is so cool. The Lord added to the number daily those Who are being saved? So that was supposed to be the second slide. Did we get that yet? Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. We. Hmm. That's intriguing. Back up to the beginning. I want to see what we've gone through. Yeah. Who (laughs) we? Oh. (laughs) Nice. Well, let's go back to number two. This. This is very cool. Oh, look at that! There they are. Sometimes it's so confusing being the speaker. Have you ever tried it? Yeah. Okay. You're teaching next week. (laughs) Those who are being saved. I love the typos. It's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) So we want to be that Acts 242 47 community of believers who are devoted to, to five things. Um fellowship discipleship prayer worship and finances i bet that's the next slide what do you think yeah. dang got it okay i titled my talk tonight we want to be a people who pray and obey do you want to be a person who prays and obeys what do you guys usually pray for i remember what i prayed for in college like, I wanted to get some good grades. I wanted to have some friends, especially a girl-type friend. <laughs> that was a big prayer uh, request. Um, yeah, I wanted uh, my finances to work out, and I, I, I wanted God to take care of my family because they were, you know, pretty weird and they needed help. And, um, ooh, midterms are coming and then finals. And you know what I prayed? That Jesus would come back. Every midterms or finals. Because I did not want to take the midterms or the finals. I thought that was a totally legitimate prayer. Until when they had dawned on me after I'd gotten my girlfriend that I wasn't married yet. So then I thought, oh, no, I'm torn. Do I want to miss my finals or get married? So anyway, so you make the choice. Um, those are my standard prayers until I met Mike. And then things started changing my freshman year. He and I became study partners in pre-calculus. He was different. He didn't just study. He said, Michael, we've got to pray. And being a newish Christian, I agreed, of course. And so we would pray for our fellow classmates and for our teacher who was actually a TA. And so... When Mike suggested something beyond prayer, I, I said, okay, I, I'm just, I'm just going to follow this guy. It looks like he knows where he's going. And so Mike suggested that we make friends with this grad student, this TA who was teaching our class, and that we would lead him to Jesus. So I thought, yes, that sounds brilliant. Um, Mike said that we should make every opportunity to ask him questions about precalculus that we could think of. So what did we do? We came in three or four times a week during his office hours and asked him questions. I thought that was the biggest answer to prayer ever, is that we could come up with that many questions. (laughs) And we got to know this guy really well, and we actually kind of became friends, and we looked forward to our, our chats. And we got to talk an awful lot about faith and the Bible and what it would mean to follow Jesus. Mike's love for Jesus and talking to others about him really rubbed off on me. Before I knew it, uh, I was talking to other people about Jesus in my other classes as well. And it all happened simply because Mike said, hey, let's pray whenever we got together and study. That was pretty cool. You know what happened? That freshman year, just because of Mike, I learned to be a man devoted to the things of God. As a freshman, I, I went to college just trying to figure out life. I didn't know what was going to happen other than I wanted to be a chemical engineer. But through his influence, I was devoted to prayer and devoted to witness. By the end of that first quarter, just through his example. I wonder why Jesus has you here at Central. I wonder what he has up his sleeve for you. Tonight is our third message of the quarter Uh, in this series that we're calling Who We Are. We're learning to lay the biblical foundations for who we are as the Kiowa community. We learned that we're a community of fellowship and last week a community of disciples. And as Melissa taught, she reminded us um, of some very important things for being a disciple. We need to leave our old life behind. Didn't that hit you? I wonder what Jesus might be um, prompting you to leave behind as you begin trying to figure out how can I be a a woman devoted to the things of God? How can I be a man devoted to Jesus? Um, Second thing, she says that we need to join with Jesus in this brand new life. It's a together thing. It's us and Jesus. And thirdly, she said we need to help our friends follow Jesus. Can I ask you a question? Who is Jesus nudging you to pray for? There's people, aren't there, that come to your mind right now. There's a reason those people have come into your mind. Who might Jesus be nudging you to not only pray for, but to do what Mike and I did, to make really good friends with them? And it'll just come up talking about Jesus. So tonight's talk I've entitled, People Who Pray and Obey. That's who we want to be in Chi Alpha. Tonight we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. So to begin, could you just stand and join hands with the people in your row? And I think we should have the Lord's Prayer up here somewhere. No, that's not it. You were supposed to write out the Lord's Prayer with the Trespasses version. That's so funny. Okay, we're just going to wing this. <laughs> okay, be brave. We're just going to say, say, try to follow me. Or just make it up on your own. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've probably prayed that prayer pretty close to a thousand times in my Christian life. But how many times have I stopped and asked myself, what am I praying? I bet it's less than a dozen times, and tonight's one of them. Because I, well, today was one of them too as I wrote this message. What are we praying when we pray the Lord's Prayer, Hmm, I want to invite you to ask that question. What are you praying when you pray any of your prayers? Jesus was pretty smart to give us some uh, guidance on what we could be praying. So if you want to turn to Luke 11 in your Bible, in the first four verses of Luke 11, we find um, one of the ways the Lord's Prayer as stated in the New Testament. Luke's in the New Testament. It's the second book of the New Testament, chapter 11, first four verses. Matthew, Luke, Mark. 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 Third book, okay, it was a test. (laughs) One day... Follow along. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. That would be John the Baptist. He said to them, okay, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. So that sounds a lot like the Lord's prayer, doesn't it? And then, where do the other words come from? Well, turn over to Matthew chapter 6. What book in the New Testament is that? Second? Third? First. Okay, okay, first one. Um, Matthew 6, 9 through 15. um, This then is how you should pray Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And verses 14 and 15 are an amazing warning. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wowzer. Matthew's version says debts. Luke's says sins. And I like trespasses because it sounds really cool when we say it. But it also reminds us that there are appropriate boundaries, moral boundaries that God has placed upon our lives and our relationships especially, and we can cross those boundaries or trespass them, go where we ought not to go. It reminds us that we can trespass into other people's boundaries, and so we need to be mindful of that. What boundary might Jesus be reminding you about? The prayer starts with two significant truths, that God is available and that he is to be worshipped. It says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's our Father. He's our Dad? Yeah. God communicates to his people that he is our dad. He is available for that intimate, close relationship that we probably all really long for, no matter if we have a great dad or a really not great dad. I think God has created in us a desire for that father-child relationship, and God wants us to get it that that is available to us. Did you know you can get as close to God as you want this quarter? It's really up to you. He's revealed himself already perfectly through this big book and through his son Jesus and through his people all around you. Now, the ball's in your court. What are you going to do with it? How close do you want to get? God is to be worshipped because he created us. We wouldn't exist apart from him. So we get to say, thank you, and that was great, and I like this about you. That's what worship is. And then our lifestyle of serving him, cooperating with his plans, that is also worship. Ask yourself, to what degree am I worshipping God this week? Ask yourself, to what degree am I worshiping my own wishes? So the Lord's Prayer starts off with with these two significant truths about God. Then it moves into four prayer requests. The first one is, um, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Imagine a big continuum. That's like a line with ends. And on one end is um, your will, and on the other end over here is God's will. And God wants each of us over our lifetime, and especially over this quarter, to make the journey from my will be done to your will be done, God. That's why that prayer is in there. And it's all about he is the king, the rightful king of the planet. And he's trying to bring all humanity back. Under his kingship so that he can exert his blessings through his benevolent rule to us. And that's why he sent his son Jesus is to get that whole moving back to him going. So the first prayer request is thy kingdom come and and then give us this day. Our our daily bread is all about having our daily needs met. Anybody besides me have needs. Yeah, and God is quite interested And meeting those needs. But we find another um, character in the Bible called the devil. Have you heard of him? He's quite real. Um, Even though all the the crazy movies and books and stuff that have all these fantastic images uh, of the occult and the dark world. And we're really into vampires and people who are dead and stuff. How about reality? How about check out what the Bible says? There really is a God. There really is a devil. There's really angels, really demons. This is for real stuff. And because there is a devil, he really tries to put a lot of lies in our brain about God. And one of his favorite lies is God doesn't care and God doesn't want to help you. But when we read the scripture, we find out God is a loving father. He's very interested in having us asked to have our daily needs met so that he can show us who he is. He's the guy that wants to meet. Hmm. So first prayer request that the kingdom would come second that our needs would be met and third is for forgiveness. Do you ever need forgiveness or am I the only one? Yeah, I. Hmm, I screw up. Did you also notice that we're required to forgive others? That might be an eye opener for some. We might think we have the right to hold a grudge to be bitter to want to get them, to snuff them out. I don't think it's wrong to feel those feelings. I think it's wrong to take action because I read about that in the book. It says, like, don't kill. (laughs) Yeah. But what are we supposed to do with those feelings? We're supposed to bring them to God and say, I really cannot stand her. And God says, I know, I can't either. He says, but let's team up on this. Maybe if we both can forgive her and love her, it'll have an influence, and she might realize what she's missing. I think that's God's big plan. And because when we don't forgive, we're prisoners, guys. We are locked in. We're in a jail of our own making. Well, that was free. That wasn't even in the notes, okay? And and then the fourth prayer request is we need some victory over temptation because we get tempted, don't we? Like all day long. Yeah. Like there's a lot of temptation like don't go to class. Don't study. Do play video games. There are hundreds of Netflix series that you've not binged on yet. Look, your thumbs haven't fallen off yet. Use that phone some more. <laughs> you know, there's lots of temptation going on constantly. Then, then there's, you know, the ones like, yeah, go up a, a, and, you know, just show that person how they're stupid, you know, and we look down on them and belittle people. And I don't know why we have those temptations, but we do, don't we? But we're all made in God's image. Lots of temptations. Then there's like rules, you know, we should keep, boundaries we shouldn't cross, like the Big Ten. You've heard of the Big Ten? They put them in stone in the Bible and all that kind of stuff. Like it's supposed to be permanently kept, yeah. We need victory over that temptation. And it's really good to know that God never tempts us. I got a little verse in case... You didn't know that. James 1.13 informs us God doesn't tempt anybody. I've got temptations. I have frequent temptations. I bet you do too. Uh, my number one temptation is I want to feel better. Yeah, I want to feel better. I'm all about my feelings. And so usually I do stupid things like I overeat to feel better because I feel great for the moment. And then I look down. I say, dang, what shirt am I actually going to fit into to stand up in front of Chi Alpha? <laughs> uh, or I'll over entertain myself. Nobody ever does that, do you? I don't want to think about all my problems, so I'll just, you know, I'll just look at a screen. Yeah. Uh, I think my other temptation is I get really easily frustrated. Anybody else? So you know what I do? I don't patiently pray. I just complain. I do remember a verse in Philippians 2 that says do everything without complaining. I hate that verse. (laughs) So what are your usual temptations? How about a great verse to help you overcome temptation? Want one? Yeah, that was the correct answer. Okay, 1 um, Corinthians, you can even turn there in your Bible, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And this is a doozy. It has gotten me all the way through my freshman year in college to now, my senior year. Okay, no, that was a joke. 1 um, Corinthians ten thirteen says some very true things. And when I'm able to Bring this verse back to my mind when the temptation comes, it really helps. It says, no temptation has overtaken you, Michael Mowry. See, my name's right in there. Did you notice your name's right in there? No temptation has overtaken you, your name, except what is common to mankind. You see, you don't have a unique temptation. You're not the only one who is, has this temptation and it can't be beat. Because it's unique. It's more powerful than any other temptation. That's just not true. All temptations are common. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Oh, but it'll feel like it. It will really feel like it. But when you're tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. It might feel like you're in a burning house. But he will slap you around and say, the door's over there. (laughs) Run. Okay? I'm not saying this will be easy, but this verse has really helped me. So I encourage you, get that one stuck in your head. Uh, Maybe put a big circle around in your Bible right now so you can find it again. That would be great. So from the Lord's Prayer, what do we learn that God desires for his people? That he wants us to be people who pray and obey, who get this stuff into our lives. Number one, prayer is a close relationship with the Lord. Prayer is worship. We've got to learn to decrease in value and learn to increase God in value until he's number one. Prayer is asking for God's kingdom and will to be done, not our own. Prayer is asking God to meet our needs. Prayer is confession. Asking for forgiveness. Prayer is also granting others forgiveness. And prayer is spiritual warfare. It's how we combat temptation. Now, I'm going to say something that most of you probably have never thought of before. So I hope that you'll think of it because I say it. Um, I think it was the Lord himself who said it to me. Most of us are familiar with us asking God for things, right? But are we familiar with the idea that God asks us for things when we're praying? When we pray, most of us are thinking, I should ask God for something. But I want us to make that big shift. When we pray... Let's learn to hear what God is asking from us. Wow. How does God ask us? Well, in in his word, in the Bible, if we're a people of devotion to prayer, we better be reading the Bible to see what it is he wants us to pray, what he's asking of us. This is where we get to know God is through the Bible. Did you notice as we went through the Lord's Prayer that there were seven things he asked of us? Did that occur to anybody besides me? just occurred to me for the first time today. He's asking me to treat him like a trustworthy dad. He wants me to call him my father. He's asking me to worship him as my God, not just the God. He's asking me to join him in bringing his kingdom to everybody on the planet. Like I was beginning to learn from Mike that freshman year. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing for everybody on this campus? He's asking me. He's asking us to let him meet our needs. Anybody besides me have some pride? I got this. Anybody been taught by parents? Uh, You better get this. You're on your own, kid. Quite contrary-wise, God wants us to learn to ask him and let him meet our needs. He also asks us to confess to him our screw-ups and allow him to forgive us because he really wants us to have a clean conscience. He's got a brain scrubber. When we confess, he'll just clean out our brain. Take away shame and guilt. Hmm. He wants us to allow Him to coach us through our difficult times uh, of taking responsibility for our sins and also for forgiving others theirs. And He wants us to ask Him for the ability to win the battle with temptation. Wow. Does this blow your mind like it blows mine? That in prayer, God is asking me for stuff. In prayer, God is asking you for stuff. In conclusion, there was a toy store contest for kids. A toy store contest for kids where you could sign up to be um, in this contest. And if you won, you got to have a shopping spree in this giant toy store. Any of the inner child in you excited about this story? This is an encouragement. So the kids are, uh, you know, they each get to start one at a time. They've got this giant shopping cart. And they're putting all the cool stuff that they want. They kind of have this mental shopping list. Do you have a mental shopping list, your inner child, what you want in the toy store? Your wishes for things you'd never got? Oh, yeah, baby. Okay. So these kids are, are putting stuff left and right in their shopping cart. And there's this one little boy. hes He's doing this. But he's way down the aisle, and he abandons his cart, and he starts picking him up and putting him down, and he's running back to the start line. And when he gets there, what's he do? He tackles the owner of the toy store. And he, he's trying to drag him way down and put him in his cart. Of course, the toy store owner is, you know, playing along with the whole thing. But this is, this is an encouragement for you and I. Isn't this what God wants us to do when we think about prayer? Most of us are just trying to get God to answer our prayers and cram stuff in the cart for us. But what he wants us to realize is we should run back down the aisle and grab him and tackle him and try to throw him in the cart. Because when we get him in the cart, we have everything in the store. What is prayer? It's putting God in our cart. It's wanting him more than anything else. Let's um, let's close with a word of prayer as the worship team comes. God, thank you for making yourself known to us through the Bible. Lord, all of us in our own way have our own definitions of who you are. And, Lord, I pray over the course of this quarter, our definition of you will get more and more biblical and become less and less of the eclectic um, mix of all the things we have ever thought you are. Help us to get accurate and biblical in our concept of you. Help us to realize how much you love us. Help us to get that prayer is a two-way conversation and you're asking stuff from us and you want us to ask stuff of you. Lord, receive our worship tonight, we pray. In Christ's name, let's stand.